Icewind Dale had long been the heart of winter, its far fields of snow stretching to the horizon. When so far north of Ferran, even the summer still had the touch of frost, although not enough to detract from the pleasance of reprieve. Such was the nature of the place, but even now the awful woe visited upon the region took even that delight from the residents of the frozen north. The folk of Bremen did not let loose all mirth from their spirits, however. The town had been on the far edge of ten towns, and while not far from Targos, still learned to deal with matters in their own way. They clung to their dwarven heritage of the first prospectors who had settled the region, even against the howling blizzards and frigid air. On this night, as with many other nights during this long dark, the tavern offered welcome respite. Bliv, Torth, and Rue were three mugs deep once that evening's blizzard had swelled. A damn terrible one tonight, Bliv said. I don't be envying anyone trying to come through the pass in this kind of awful weather. Torth nodded. Who would even want to come up here anyway? What with the... Shh, Rue said. He held a finger to his lips. We aren't speaking of it now or later. It's enough that she's present. Don't need to go off incurring her wrath by invoking her. The three sat grim and silent. It had been two years since the beginning of the eternal darkness plaguing ten towns, and the Dale folk were sick of it. The towns had turned to vainglorious attempts to appease the bringer of it, Aurel, the Frost Maiden. But no sacrifice of folk or fire or food seemed to please her, or the creatures acting in her name. And still every night the aurora shimmered across the sky, renewing perpetual darkness across the blighted land. But on this day, here in the five taverns of Bremen, on the edge of ten towns and the southwestern tip of the Lake Mare Dualden, something different happened. The door opened, and four adventurers walked up to the bar. Hello there. The craziest weather you have up here, right? The first said. She had an angelic grace to her. I told you it would be like that, another said. They pulled their hood back, revealing the look of a hobgoblin. We'd like some drinks. Many drinks. In another corner of the tavern, Lynn Trollbane smoked her pipe and eyed the newcomers with curiosity. She teched her purse to be sure she had coins to pay for the deed she had in mind. Excuse me, Walter, could you sit down, please? Thank you, dog. Thank, thank you. My dog decided to sit down for recording. <laughs> oh, man, it it uh, it is March, isn't it? Well, no no time like the present to, to you know, just record a new podcast episode. Uh, if you're wondering what's going on, don't worry. This is still, I think, effectively uh, counting as season two of the DM Discourse. Rather than just digging through my homebrew campaign, which is um, currently on hiatus, I figured I'd start looking at uh, the adventure that I'm running right now. In this case, it's the most recent published adventurer, Rhyme of the Frost Maiden. 
Um, you know, it would have been just in time for the season if the end of winter wasn't upon us. <laughs> um, but uh, regardless, Rhyme takes its adventurers to the northernmost point of the Forgotten Realms setting. Beyond the spine of the world to Icewind Dale, now encased in a ceaseless darkness brought around by the goddess Oriel. It'll also serve as a good jumping-on point if you're new here. Um, if that's the case, hi! This is the DM Discourse, a podcast about D&D focused on the experience at the table from behind the screen. Uh, I'm your host, Daryl, and I sit here and talk about what's going on in whatever it is that's happening in the game I'm running. My homebrew campaign had actually been heading towards an inevitable stopping point for a while, um, between lapsing in role-playing fervor, stress of moving... And the bullshit nonsense of the previous calendar year, the momentum we had for two years was uh, slowing down. Um, it seemed like as good a chance as any to take a break from that storyline and explore some others. And when I heard that the next big book coming out was horror in a snow setting, I was immediately sold. If you're worried about spoilers because you'll be playing in or running the campaign yourself, I'll do my best to skirt around some of the bigger narrative implications that I try to hide from my own players. This will basically just catalog my experiences with the adventure, same as my homebrew campaign. Before I jump into the peculiarities of the adventure, let's talk about the adventurers themselves. Since the campaign is uh, taking place in Forgotten Realms, that gave the players a more established setting to pull from. At the forefront of the party, there is John Variable, uh, spelled very able, a human paladin uh, following the creed of Tempest. Jorora, a drow torturer who has fled from Menzoberazin, uh, Menzoberazin to the surface. I've been familiar with that city name for a good chunk of my life. Never been able to pronounce it right the first time. Um, somehow we ended up with uh, two ASMR, Tessa, an entertainer who had spent some time in the Feywild, and Micah, a disgraced cleric from across the Sea of Fallen Stars which is itself a long trek away from this corner of uh, Farron. Rounding out the party is Tvesk, a hobgoblin war mage and previous resident of Ten Towns, the safest locale of the Dale. While Jorora would pop in the next session as the player wasn't able to make it that week, the group agreed on this core unifying fact. Each of them knew and had enough reason to trust a yet unfinished NPC, who they had each crossed paths with separately in their characters' past. I could have had the group spend their first session learning to trust one another or started it in the middle of an adventure, but given how Rime of the Frostmaiden sets itself up to have the party come together prior to the start of the module, I wasn't too interested in having an extra session this time where everyone gets familiar with the others. In place of that, I just said that they had a mentor of some kind that they all knew. And this itself has led to an entertaining exercise for both the players and myself throughout the following sessions. At the start of each session, I've had one of the players describe an aspect about this NPC, such as who or what their interests are. For now, though, at this first crossroad of the journey, just knowing they had someone they were each close to was enough for the characters to be fine traveling together. My friends were easy to convince, just happy to play D&D with each other. The module, a beefy 319 pages long, is, as I would like to describe it, a sandbox horror. For whatever reason unknown to the party, the goddess Oriel has shown up in ten towns and covers it in a perpetual night, refreshing her spell at midnight to prevent it uh, prevent its effects from sub subsiding. This serves as the backdrop, exploring a territory of frozen nightmare. 
Of course, you can dial the terror up or down as you wish, in the same way you could present Curse of Strahd's gothic macabre theme to you and your group's liking, but all the same, there's ample opportunity to tweak the adventure as you see fit. One of the first options it gives you is um, which of the ten towns you want to start the adventure in. Brinchander, the de facto capital where coin and cause flow through, is suggested as the starting point, but again, it's up to you where the group starts. Maybe your group has a particular common element that would make one of the other towns a better choice. For mine, I chose Bremen, far off the path towards the west, at the edge of Mare de Walden, one of the three lakes of the Ten Towns. I had narrated it such that a storm had come to Icewind Dale, following in their path and redirecting them from the path until they stumbled into the friendly dwarvish town. Each place uh, here in Ten Towns has its own historical theme that it draws from, and for Bremen, that is its dwarven heritage. The party stumbled into one of the five taverns at the center, drinking with locals and discussing the current situation in the Dale. It was here I also presented their first quest, as suggested by the book, a cold open. Two quests are presented here, and I chose the cold-hearted killer. A murderer was going through the streets and alleys of ten towns, but the evidence was pointing towards one peculiarity. The murders only happened in the central towns of Targos, Brinshander, and East Haven, all three of which chose to sacrifice residents in an attempt to uh, appease Oriel and end the ceaseless dark. The bounty hunter they met at the tavern, a dwarf by the name of Hillen Trollbane, promised them 100 gold to deal with the individual in question, Sefik Kultro. And as my dice rolls would have it, he and the merchant group he was traveling with were in the next town over, Targos. Here's where I think I first did a goof. I maybe shouldn't have made the first quest, uh, made this the first quest to give them, um, and you'll see why. The first reason would be they decided to, in the middle of the night, after arriving here, take the trail east to Targos. The sooner the better, they figured. I'd expected them to spend the night in Bremen first, but as you know, your friends don't always act as you expect them to. Each of the towns comes with its own quest, and you're advised to give them to the players whenever they first arrive at the town. Whether you do this is up to you, ultimately. Given this was the first session and I wanted to see where the group would go, I opted to save adding more quests to their log until the next session. So instead, they simply trudged through the snow trail to Targos, arriving at the gates looking for Sephic Cultro. Targos's heritage is from Luskin, a nefarious pirate town just on the other side of the mountain range, separating Icewind Dale from the other regions of the continent, Farin. In its architecture and culture, it stands different in this. The book even goes so far as to categorize all its towns by rating them on friendliness, comfort, and availability of supplies. By what method and how much you paint these differences is up to you, but for me, knowing Luskin has a more questionable history, um, I drew from that to, when describing Targos for my players. Not to be dismayed by the trip they just took through the snow, they decided to go and collect information from whatever locals were still out. In this case, at Three Flags Sailing, the local tavern. The party got themselves a few drinks and a table, but it was Tessa who spied a particular duo sitting at a table. She overheard the key piece of information she needed. They worked for the same merchant group as Civic Cultro, their target. By using her spells to charm one of these guards, she found out where they were staying, the Luskin Arms Inn, and now the next spot for the group to visit. I figure I could have just not included these NPCs, but... Given the direction the players were going, I found it best to just have them come upon them, naturally. I figured the merchant guards wouldn't just 
stay bundled up in the inn all night long, especially with a fair bounty of entertainments so close by. The Luskin Arms Inn had seen better days, but it was as good as a place as any to avoid the cold winds of the region. While the party was unable to divine from the innkeeper if Suffolk himself was here at the inn, they did see a dog's sled bearing the merchant group's logo printed on some cargo outside. For them, this was as good a trail as any, and the second time they defied my expectations in the night. Rather than going out and attempting to find the murderer themselves, they opted to get a room for the four of them and wait for Suffolk Cultural to return. And so he did. A few hours after midnight, the group encountered Cultro returning to the inn. He was just as described by the bounty hunter, dressed like a sailor from the warmer regions of Farron to the south, not a denizen of the frozen north. Tavesk attempted the classic trick and cast sleep on Suffolk Cultro as he went up the stairs back to his room. Unfortunately for Tavesk and their allies, Cultro was now an undead. Following his resurrection by Oriel, he had become her loyal servant. This granted him a particular immunity to sleep and charm, something the party was not expecting. However, this also ended up making the ensuing encounter much more difficult than I had expected. Kaltro sits at a challenge rating of 3, but I figured that a group of 4 PCs could likely take him down, and this was a big misstep. He teleported to the party in their room, and what I had expected to be an easy encounter to open up the campaign uh, was degrees deadlier. So that was my first lesson that I'd like to pass to you. Rhyme of the Frostmaiden is structured that if there is a point on the map that the players would want to go to, there would be some adventure around every bend. Doesn't mean they'll always be prepared for whatever they're going to encounter, so be sure you're ready for whatever consequences may follow, or let them know that they aren't necessarily um, on as strict a timetable, which I think is the reason that the group decided they would go out in the middle of the night to encounter this murderer who they had very little information to go off of other than the fact that he didn't dress well for the region and that he was working for a merchant group. This goes for your other campaigns too, not just this one. If your players may be wondering if there's a time limit for them to complete every quest line or if they have a bit more freedom than that, it's alright to tell them that not every quest needs to be solved as soon as they come across it. But back to Sephic Cultro. After a hard-fought victory with multiple characters falling unconscious, they were able to beat Cultro and tie him up. However, in the same inn was his employer, not especially keen on one of her employees, a murderous one at that, being taken into some adventuring party's custody. Hoping to avoid earning her disfavor, the party ended up letting her into their room so she could speak with Cultro. She did speak to him, letting him know that he had slipped for the last time, she plunged one of his ice daggers into him, and he fell dead. And that was it. She simply needed to protect her own interests against the parties. After all, as a traveling merchant, she would need all the good reputation she could keep. But how good could someone that travels knowingly with a murderer in their midst be? All consequences to be resolved another time, however. The party had done as they were tasked. They took care of the murderers plaguing ten towns and uncovered from Cultro uh, the reasons that they were done in his devotion to O'Reel. The victims had paid to be excluded from the sacrifice lotteries, um, which Targos, Brinchander, and Easthaven had been doing in their poor attempts 
at uh, abating the, I guess, the Aurora Plague of the region. Um, and because of this, these individuals who were murdered earned the Lady of Frost's disfavor. She simply was having her servant carry out her will. We ended the session there at more or less the quest's resolution, but this was just the first of many adventures to be had by the group in what has proven to be a veritable uh, buffet of delights chosen to be explored by the players as they see fit. That's all for this week. Feel free to email me at dmdiscoursepodcast at gmail.com. If you have any questions, please feel free to send them my way, and I'll be happy to answer them. You can keep up with what I'm doing by following me on Twitter, at dmdcpodcast. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe to the show on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. And leave a review if you'd like. Tell your friends as well, if you think they'd enjoy the content. That helps me out to keep making content that you all enjoy. As always, appreciate you all out there. Thanks for listening, and have a great week.